Are you looking for inspiring conversations about faith, film, and life? You're in the right place. Here's the host who knows the right questions to ask, Father Edward Looney. Hey, everybody. It's Father Edward Looney. I love football, and the Super Bowl is coming up this next week, and I thought it'd be great to have a conversation about football, and when I saw a tweet from Father Douglas Hunter, a priest of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, I knew that it would be a great conversation. And so uh, he was the chaplain for the Indianapolis Colts. He's retired now, you know, so just like a football player retires, he's retired from that role. And I just wanted to talk to him about life as a chaplain for the Colts. So thank you so much, Father Douglas Hunter, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, let me just uh, share your tweet. So this was January 7th. You tweeted this. You said, Mm -hmm. Dear Colts Nation, With a heavy heart, I've submitted a resignation letter as the Catholic chaplain for the Indianapolis Colts. After much prayerful consideration, it's time for me to step down from this role. Serving as the chaplain for the Colts over the past several years has been an honor and a privilege. I've been blessed to work alongside a dedicated and passionate team of players, coaches, staff, and the best fans in the NFL. And I've been inspired by their commitment to excellence both on and off the field. Uh, Though... Though our time to get through our time together, I've witnessed the power of faith in action. I've seen players turn to prayer and reflection in times of triumph, uh, in times of triumph. And uh, uh, and then you go on to say, thank you for the memories, friendships, and blessings I've received through my time. I will always cherish the moments shared and continue to be a loyal team supporter. So, so you are the Colts chaplain. And I'm just wondering, how does one, so you're a priest of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, probably maybe you've been a fan of the cults your entire life, but how'd you become the chaplain of the cults? You know, that's a funny story. A lot of people often ask me to where one day we were having a staff meeting at one of the parishes I was assigned to as the associate chaplain or the associate pastor. And I answer the phone from a priest who never calls anybody. He Father Glenn O'Connor, who's now deceased, he worked in Indy Racing League ministry. He called me out of the blue, and I said, well, I better take this. This, this Something's not right, and I answered it, and he, all it, the conversation said, hey, the cults are looking for a new chaplain. Are you in? That's all the conversation was, and I, at that moment, it was like, uh, sure, <laughs> and I had a meeting later that day with the general manager, Chris Ballard. Seriously, this all happened in one day. Wow. And I'm in. That was it. (laughs) And uh, was this a conversation that you had also in conjunction with the bishop? Because, of course, as priests, we take the vow of obedience. And so I'm sure the bishop probably signed off on this. They are very, he was very aware of it at the time. Yes. Wonderful. And uh, so, so what was the experience like then? Uh, as the Colts chaplain over the last several years, like what was your role? So are you only the chaplain in the sense of being the chaplain for home games or did you go to away games as well? What what did it all entail? So ideally he would, Chris, the GM wanted me on the practice field at least a couple times a week or maybe in the lunchroom because you can do, you can meet with guys in the lunchroom or be present in the locker room, be present in the, we have a nice medical facility. I go in there a lot of times and talk to guys, whether being worked on or something being wrapped or whatever, because it's, you have to meet them where they are and meet guys in the hallway, 
we'd have mass on Saturday evenings at seven, whether it's in the hotel or the training facility. And I traveled a few times with the Colts, but not that often. My schedule didn't permit me to travel that much. But in between all that, through another organization called CAC, Catholic Athletes for Christ, that helped me to find chaplains in other cities or priests in other cities to say mass for our team when they are in that particular city. So your responsibility, say mass, maybe they want you to hear a confession too. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, how many people would show up for mass? Because obviously you have uh, the main roster is 53 men, but then there's the practice mm -hmm. squad, the practice squad, and then you have coaches and such. So mm -hmm. um, how, how many people normally fill the little room for mass? So if we're home, it could be anywhere from eight to 12. On the road, it could be anywhere from 15 to 25. Okay. Did you ever mass with the other team? Did they ever join you for a mass? No, usually the mass is separate. But if schedule permits, if I have mass with my team at seven and the visiting team didn't have a priest and or the priest, something came up and he had to back out at the last minute, if schedule permit, I could go say mass for them too. So it's, it depends on the weekend and what all is going on. There's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Now, did you ever find, because you're a pastor, I'm a pastor, mm -hmm. and uh, so I, I know the busyness of our life. So being the cult's chaplain, were there ever conflicts with your parish life? Or maybe did you have to say no to the cults in order to serve the people of the parish? Or what, how did you keep that in balance? It was getting harder as time went on because my parish is growing and I have to be available to my people. They are My parish is my first priority. And there were a lot of times where I had to say no to a lot of people, mostly friends, where I'm sorry, I can't go to dinner tonight because I have mass with the Colts, but I'm available afterwards because mass is only 25 minutes long. We only get 25 minutes to say mass, technically 28, but I keep it under 25. And it was just getting harder to say no to the people to be with the Colts. And someone asked me the other day, why did you leave? Why would you leave a prestigious, quote unquote, spot such as the Colts? And I said, I was not giving them my best. You know, being part of a team, you have to give 110%. And I said, on an average Saturday, I could have a wedding, a funeral, confessions, mass, and then Colts mass. And I said, by the time I got there at 7 p.m., I was at my worst because they're just getting the old drown out done me, the one who has no more energy left to give. And that was not fair to them. And I noticed that pattern over the last two seasons. And I said, I think it's time for me to step away. Do you know who your successor will be? Did you have a hand in suggesting a name or someone like that? I do. Okay. Yes. I don't know if he wants to be as notable as I was, Sure, but he's, here locally teaching at a high school, at Cathedral High School, and he teaches math. Okay. Well, that's great. He's, a, he's actually a priest of Holy Cross up in Notre Dame. Oh, really? Okay, sure. So Cathedral High School is a, is a they're sponsored by the Holy Cross Order. Okay, sure. Yes. Now, uh, you talked, or, you know, when you wrote that message on Twitter, you said, I'm going to mm -hmm. retire or resign as the Catholic mm -hmm. chaplain. So mm -hmm. I'm curious, are there other chaplains? Is there a Lutheran chaplain? Is there a non-denominational chaplain? Uh, are there others uh, out there, clergy people, clergymen, 
uh, like yourself that are serving the cults too. So for us, it was just two of us, myself and Eric Simpson is the non-denominational chaplain. So he has a church on the big church on the north side of in Zionsville on the north side of Indianapolis, just outside of Indiana, Indianapolis proper. And it was just the two of us that handled all 53 men on the team. And I saw one of our players, I said, hey, where are you going? He said, I'm going over to the Protestant side. I said, why? <laughs> and you have that a lot because my wife left the church or I'm just doing what my family wants me to do or this, that, and the other. And I said, always remember the invitation is still open for you. Once you're baptized Catholic, you're always Catholic. And that door is always open to you. So you have that little bit of conflict there too. Sure, sure. And were the players, were they receptive to your presence? So obviously, you know, um, some players maybe live probably ungodly lives and different to faith. Then you have some that are very religious, you know, mm -hmm. seeing CJ Stroud wear the shirt with Jesus on it. And he's always mm -hmm. thanking Jesus as his Lord and savior. So you have some very devout non-denominationals mm -hmm. and, and Catholics too. You know, we saw Philip Rivers. He was a very devout Catholic for example, mm -hmm. Harrison Butker, the kicker for the chiefs. He's a devout Catholic. So uh, were the players receptive, I guess, to a chaplain and, and to your presence or, and yes. were you surprised by by maybe their receptivity or them coming to you? They were. They were very receptive. And very few players were kind of shy to stay away from me, so to speak. But most of them accepted me for being the Catholic chaplain, being a Catholic priest within the, the training facility. And a lot of them still talk to me. Even after, even after I left, I got a couple texts from a few of them saying, hey, I saw your tweet. Congratulations. Good luck to you. And one of the former players, retired players, he reached out to me and said, hey, is everything okay? I said, things are fine. It's just time for me to move on. Mm. Uh, did you ever get to stand on the sideline on a Sunday? Or mm -hmm. uh, did you get tickets to the games that maybe you or your family, friends could, could use? Or were there perks to being the chaplain? <laughs> there were a lot of perks. So people think I got paid. No, I did not get paid for that role. That was a strictly volunteer role. They did give me all access credentials to the on game day. Mm. In addition to, I got two tickets, which were very good tickets. They were section 109 on the visitor side of the stadium, row two, seats one and two. So I could look over and see who's in my seats. Okay. And they gave me a lot of gear. So I would get hats, t-shirts, sweats, shoes, everything that the regular staff would get. I'm thinking as a pastor, if you're the chaplain to the cults, like, you know, you have a parish auction coming up. Maybe you could get some merch signed by by a player or something and auction it off uh, for the good of the parish. So that's one of the misnomers of ah. working in sports industry. There was a, a kind of an unwritten rule: don't bother, don't bother the players in that aspect. Sure. But I had enough avenues to where I could get stuff signed, and I have, still have access to a lot of different players and different industries of um you know sports industry so what most people don't realize is i used to work for the uh, nba here oh, in indianapolis wow. and i worked for uh, arnold schwarzenegger i was one of his photographers for an event in ohio about one time a year i did that for 15 years and i worked in other many different avenues of sports industry long before priestly ministry so that gives me access to getting things that I need for those church auctions. So 
someone said, hey, I want an autograph from such and such who's a boxer. Do you think you can get it? Now I may take three phone calls, but eventually I get it. So, but yeah, I have, I have ways. <laughs> sure. So uh, father, uh, of course, each of us have a vocation story. So mm -hmm. obviously you had a career, some work that you mm -hmm. did before being a priest. So uh, what year were you ordained and uh, what led you to the ministry? So I grew up here in Indianapolis, Indiana, most of my life. And I was a police officer for about a 12 year period here. So I went from the sheriff's department to merging with the city police, which is now Indianapolis Metro police department in addition to working for them i worked at a school district as a school resource officer in addition to the sheriff's department and i've been on seven different police departments over the years um but for all, i left for all for good reasons and the neat thing that i was able to do was what we call crime prevention youth education so i worked primarily with young kids high schoolers and uh, older adults who wanted a close connection with the police department. So I was able to go to them in a positive aspect instead of being the bad guy, you know, throwing everybody in jail back then. And I was also in charge of McGruff the Crime Dog, so in our Explorer program. So that's primarily what I did. And that was a full-time job in itself, which should have taken two people to do, but I was able to do it by myself. And people ask, well, how did you know God was calling you? And I said, well, I was still going to daily mass. I was still going to Eucharistic adoration once a week. And I was just trying to listen. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? I've done everything I needed to do. What do you want me to do? And as I was trying to open new doors, he kept closing those doors. And there was only one door left open. I said, um, can you find someone else to do that job? <laughs> and lo and behold, this is where he was calling me. And I knew that long before, but I kept running from it for a long time. Mm. And then finally he won. <laughs> I gave in. I said, okay, if this is what you want, then so be it. And where did you go to seminary? I went to St. Minard down in uh, Southern Indiana, St. Minard, Indiana. Sure. Yeah. So I uh, was trained by Benedictine monks at Conception Abbey. So okay. I have great oh, love for okay. the Benedictine tradition. Yes. So. Um, well, maybe just a few more football questions from your life as a chaplain. Okay, sure. So obviously uh, last year uh, before, you know, the playoffs and whatnot, there was a tragic Monday night game where DeMar Hamlin goes down on the field and uh, you know, obviously they cancel the game. They don't know what's happening. Maybe he, he was deceased, whatever he, obviously he's playing again. He's back. Uh, he made a full recovery from, from what happened, but imagine you're the chaplain for the on the field that night so imagine this happened to a Colts player I guess like uh mm -hmm. you what do you do in that moment as the Colts chaplain are you there fraying right around him are you praying on the sideline with people like uh, that that was one of those days where uh, in football in the football world where people on ESPN were doing spontaneous prayer so uh, if you were the chaplain that happened, what would you have done in that situation? First priority is check on him, pray over him, check on the team, pray over the team, get back to him and stay with him and his family and provide updates along the way. Be available to him and his family during that tragic time. 
Yeah. And it probably would have looked different too, you know, if mm-hmm. like if it was Philip Rivers, you know, a devout Catholic, then you would have had mm-hmm. your oils there. You would have anointed, yes. you know, in that situation. And, and you probably would have known the player. You would know who's Catholic mm-hmm. and who you should. Yes. Um, you know, so, so yeah, so that was just uh, one of those things. Uh, I, I was curious, you know, thinking about this conversation today, what would have happened in that situation? You know, in football too, there's uh, some, this is a podcast about Mary. I'm a Marian theologian and, and whatnot. And, and so, you know, we talked about the Hail Mary and uh, obviously probably because you pray a Hail Mary as you throw it, you hope the player catches it. And, and sometimes we've seen those catches. Do you think there's any irreverence with the use of the word Hail Mary and for that football catch or um, well, what are your thoughts about that? I know some people in the Marian world, they're, they're like perturbed by the, the improper, you know, use, you know, Fatima talks about the blasphemous use of Mary's name or whatever. And, and some people like to associate that with that. So just curious, your thoughts. For me, it's, I don't like the term, but it's been ingrained in the football culture for so long. It, you just kind of go with it. And as we conduct our interview today, our podcast. I'm also at Marion University, where I teach also. I teach a couple courses here at Marion University. So I have a very strong devotion to our Blessed Mother. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, you know, I think for me, when I I hear the Hail Mary toss and people are talking Mm -hmm. about it, and maybe there is that catch. And so every news, every football program is talking about it. I always think about it. And I'm like, oh, uh, you know, it's getting people to think about these words from scripture. Like, right. I, I think it's positive in a sense. I don't think it has to be perceived as derogatory or, or negative mm-hmm. or, or whatever. I, I think it's great if people are thinking about the Blessed Mother, even in a very nonchalant way like that. So, um, and even some of the players who made a touchdown and do the sign of the cross, I'm like, wait a minute, are you Catholic? Because if you're Catholic, you need to be at Mass. And so I'm always looking out for little things such as that nature. Yeah. Wow. Definitely. And, uh, you know, this is another thing that thinking about the cults and I just thought it was kind of apropos that we could have this conversation that you agree to it, but, uh, you know, Indianapolis kind of seems to be the center of Catholic America right now. So every Mm -hmm. NCYC for the last several years, you know, has been, um, at Lucas oil stadium, uh, the Eucharistic revival is going to Indianapolis. So have you seen an effect maybe in the city? So as, as a pastor, as a priest in Indianapolis, maybe even in the football culture, like has the presence of Catholicism in the stadium had some sort of trickle down effect that you've noticed? It has. And, you know, it's funny that for me, it's funny that here I am on a Sunday for regular game day and then i'm back for the national catholic youth conference ncyc hearing confessions in the stands as the young people are continually coming down to have their confession heard and i said lord i would have never known that all this would come together the way it has um and it's unique that we are able to host such big events because i see our young people here coming back to the church not wandering away, but coming back. And that's partly why I had to give up my role with the Colts is because my church is growing. We have four masses on Sunday or one on Saturday and three on Sunday. And most of all are packed. That's wonderful. That's great news. 
and it's uh, truly the holy spirit at work <laughs> yeah so i i haven't been to an ncyc at lucas oil i you know i don't think i'm going to the eucharistic revival uh congress just because really it's it's hard for me as a pastor to get away to go mm -hmm. to those things um you know as a priest i can take up to four weekends off a year and maybe mm -hmm. i get two if i'm lucky because coverage is just simply hard to find. I, can, I find right. that I can go away during the week, but I always try to come back for the weekends. So um, yeah, here. it makes it difficult to do those things as a pastor. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Trust me, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is wonderful. So uh, I, I'm so grateful that we've had the opportunity to chat, to mm -hmm. talk a little bit about football. And uh, we're recording this right before the NFC Championship. This is going to release uh, on Super Bowl week, uh, so right after the Pro Bowl. So obviously we don't know who's in the Super Bowl as we're recording this. And mm -hmm. uh, and I think listeners know that these things are pre-recorded. So uh uh, I'm just curious, what's your hope for the Super Bowl? So Ravens, Chiefs, Lions, 49ers, who are you hoping will be in the big dance? Well, because they're so close to us, I'm kind of going for the Lions, the underdog. Sure, sure. So uh, so maybe the Lions will be there. Uh, of course, I, I have an affinity towards the Chiefs, uh, having gone to Conception Seminary. I did my CPE in St. Joseph. Okay. And uh, and so I actually went to the training camp for the Chiefs mm -hmm. and such. So so I uh, have a fondness for the Chiefs and I hope they end up there and maybe the Lions because I'm a Packer fan and the 49ers really have been the Achilles heel of the Green Bay Packers <laughs> and our playoff hopes and Super Bowl uh, bound dreams. So uh, so maybe I can tolerate the Lions. So, uh, yeah. Well, There's still hope for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we saw Jordan Love play this year, and no okay. one ever would have thought the Green Bay Packers would have three strong quarterbacks uh, mm -hmm. for, for you know, 25, 30 years uh, spans. So, so we're very blessed as a football team, as a franchise. So, well, Father, I appreciate your time, uh, your willingness you so to much. chat about your your experience as the, the Colts chaplain. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, best of – Best of luck in everything that you do post-football and your post-football career now as a pastor and as a professor at Marion University. So, so well, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, well, thank you. God bless you. If you liked today's episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening. And don't forget to stay up to date with what Father Edward is doing by following him on Facebook, X, or Instagram at the handle at FREdwardLooney. Thanks for listening, and please join Father Edward again next time for another inspiring conversation.